What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Protest Coverage Podcast. I'm Jay, Executive Director of Photography and Photo Editor for Protest Coverage. On today's episode, we sit down with actor Roger Covington of Unite NY. Having appeared in over 100 films and several shows on Broadway, Covington decided to use his platform and gifts to give back to the movement. He tells our Kevin Xavier about the mental health struggles within his family that have put him between loved ones and police, how the video of George Floyd's killing shook him to his core, and his belief that not all police officers are bad people while condemning the system that employs them. The Protest Coverage Podcast with Roger Covington starts now. Hello, hello. Hi, Mr. Covington. How are you? I'm not sure if you can hear me. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay, because I cannot hear you. Oh, okay. Try now? Yeah, how about now? That was all me. My my volume was down. (laughs) No problem. Thank you for taking the time again. I'm Kevin Xavier. You seem to be a a young leader in the movement with some notoriety. So I wanted to chat with you a little bit about what's happening on the ground. A few questions to start, just formalities. How would you like to be addressed? Roderick. Roderick Covington, yeah. Your age, Roderick? I'm actually 40. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm able to tell. What's your hometown? Uh, hometown is Winter Haven, Florida. Florida, where everything is spiking. Where I just found out two of my brothers have COVID. My mom has COVID. My father has COVID. My brother-in-law has COVID. Uh, two sisters that have COVID. My, I have a brother is in ICU. Uh, he's doing plasma surgery. A brother-in-law is ICU. Um, he has to have a liver. I mean, it's, it's COVID, but now they found liver. It's like crazy. That's, I'm sorry to hear that. That's tough. It's insane right now. How long have you been in New York? I've been in New York. I came here when I was 17 for um, school, SUNY Purchase Conservatory. Um, so I've been here ever since, but I travel a lot back and forth to L.A. I had a five-year stint of like living in, in LA, but like working here on and off as an actor. Can you tell me about some of your acting? So, I mean, one of the first Broadway shows that I was in, I was a, a, the lead hyena in um, The Lion King. And, you know, I've done, you know, The Law and Order, uh, a few uh, television and films. And then the most recent Broadway show that I was in was is Once on This Island that won the Tony Award for, for Revival. That's like the most the most recent for Broadway. I mean, but I've been in oh, hundreds of shows, you know, you know right. from, from Broadway, Off-Broadway, Steppenwolf International. Um, I've been really fortunate to be a working actor alongside working as an actor. I, I have a small uh, business, um, Corporate of Fitness, that is a nutrition and fitness company that specializes in body, mind, spirit transformation, uh, which is one of the reasons why I started protests, because I believe that America needs a transformation. Winter Haven, Florida, what neighborhood do you live in now in the city? I actually live downtown in Battery Park. What are your preferred pronouns? He, him, his. Okay. What got you involved with the movement in general? What what, uh, inspired you? Well, I mean, the day after George Floyd's video, of course. The day of it, I was in D.C. and then the day after, came back and the first protest was at Foley Square, where I just went. I just went and was just like, I just, I have to do something. And I remember I, I took my husband and it was his very first protest. And at that particular protest, they, they, they didn't have rubber 
bullets. They, they you know, you know, it was the first one. Right. And so that particular one, they drew guns. They drew like real guns on us. And, you know, we ran. But it was it was just this energy of like, we must do something. This has got to stop like now. We can't wait until the next generation, until more and more people get killed. So after that day, I would, I would be, you know, just finding protests because there's, there there's so many, you know, like three or four times a week, just walking and just protesting. And then a buddy of mine, Will, uh, William Lexham, he called me one day. He said, hey, I need your help. Can you help me organize an Agents for Black Lives Matter protest? And I, my, my husband's Asian and Will, Will is Asian. And he was like, you know, at, at the civil rights, there was, you know, Asian people there and black people there together. But through the years, you know, a lot of miscommunication has happened and kind of disconnect and between the Asian and black community, it's, it, it hasn't been together. And so he was like, I want to bring Asian and black people together. And I'll, you know, he's like, I'll bring the Asian people and you can bring black people for, for black lives matter. Right. And I was like, well, I mean, I had never organized a protest, but, I, but one of my clients is Opal. It's Opal Opanet, uh, uh, Opometi, uh, one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter. Right. So I text her and she was like, that sounds like a great idea. I believe in you, you can do it. <laughs> but didn't give me much other than that. And so he created like the, the different posts or whatever. I, I just invited people over social media, whatever. And I remember, it was from Washington Square Park to Foley Square. I remember like it started like, I think two or something. And when we got there, he was like, okay, it's not a whole lot of people there, but it's some, some people are here. And then when we started, it was over like 3000 people that gathered there and and we started marching and it, and, and it felt like it just kept growing to watch Square, watch Square Park. And, you know, it was, it was the first one that I actually like led in. And it was just such this visceral energy that it was kind of like this energy of we will overcome today. And I was really sharing with people that Black Lives Matter is good news. It's the gospel. It is, it is the good news because if, Black lives matter, then all lives matter. Because the, because the truth of the matter is, is that when people who say all lives matter, that doesn't include black lives matter. Like when, 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 the, when the constitution was written, it wasn't written in the frame of black people, you know, or black people were not at the table. So, so the constitution, it needs to be updated. Our, our systems you know, needs to be updated. And so that is really the core reason that I protest, I, I call, I email, you know, I'm doing whatever I can. It's not a particular person, you know, like, yeah, they are, there are racist people, but it's the racist policies that affects all of us. You know, a racist person, they have the freedom to be a racist person, but when it gets into the policies that we have, in systems, that is when it becomes, I feel like, a problem to all people, not just Black people. I mean, it, it, it affects Black people, but then it also affects like the economy and the way that, you know, the world is operating within America. Was there a particular tipping point? I know you said you just walked down there and put this stuff out on social media, but was it George Floyd? Was it Ahmaud Arbery? Was there a particular tipping point that you saw 
something happened and you said, I, I've got to do something. Yeah, it was watching the video of George Floyd. Because honestly, honestly, I thought, because I've had a lot of experiences with police and I thought that, okay, I'm 40 now. So I'm, I'm too old for the police, right? But George Floyd was 46. So it was like, that could, that could be me on the ground. Cause I've been arrested on the ground in New York with a knee in my, in my back. You know, I know how it feels. And I've also shared my story. I shared my story over Instagram. It was, it was after the George Floyd because for the first time after George Floyd, that is when I felt like, okay, the systems need to change and it needs to start, start with defunding the police. Because in, in the neighborhood where I grew up in, in Winter Haven, there's not any social programs to help people in the community that I come from. There's only the, the, the police that go and arrest them. Right. And so, you know, watching the George Floyd video, I mean, my heart just broke. My heart just broke. And I just feel like if we are in a world where that is okay, and the world is really sad. It's really, it's dark. And I, 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 I tend to try to be an optimist. And I believe that there is light. I believe that there is love. And so I was just like, there has to be, there has to be some type of way, there has to be something that we can do because, you know, you know I, I felt helpless because there was nothing that I could do when I was watching that video. So, so the only thing that I could do was just go out in the streets and just walk and just march and just chant. And, and that, you know, that just began just to encourage my spirit. It just began to just like, I, I felt, you know, connected to my ancestors. I felt connected to, I felt connected to, to Africa. I just, I would just get visions of, of so many people like, being watered down by, by water holes and, and dogs being sick on them. And there are so many different lives of black people that we don't, we haven't even heard of Kevin that have been killed, that have been brutalized. There's so many, but we don't even know. So it's just like, so I, so it just, it just feels empowerment to like, okay, we get to do something. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what, what it really like is that we get to do but we can at least start from defunding the police. And, 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 and we need a majority, we need everyone, white people, black people, Asian people, Latino people, you know, and I mean, it's hard for me to wrap my head around and understand the pro, the pro police movement, right? That, that, are, that are like for Blue Lives Matter. So it's like, okay, one is no such thing as Blue Lives Matter. There's no, there's no, we're no, we're no blue people. You know, and then two, to counter that with, you know, with blue lives, for black lives, it just continue, it just continues the narrative that black lives don't matter. You know what I mean? Like, like it continues because, because it's not that I am, you know, because I, I can only speak personally. It's not that I am angry at police, you know, at a police officer. They're doing what is in the culture. And even if they don't want to do us in the culture, in my experience, po policemen who try to uh, speak up, right, or who try to say something, they get bullied, you know, they get bullied or they get ousted or they get smashed. And so, because so, it's like a fraternity, you know, and then with, with, with qualified immunity, that empowers them to feel like they can do anything and get, a, it's like a license to kill. 
It's like a license to abuse people. And that's just what it's been, you know, a license to abuse and kill people. So there's move, this movement in Broadway of like, shut everything down. And, you know, like, I, like I'm a part of that, but what I'm passionate about is starting with defunding the police, defunding the system to, to reallocate the money back into our neighborhoods, Kevin. I don't mean to take all your time, but last time when I was home, I don't know. it was June 23rd. So my, my mother had just got admitted to the hospital. She was going blind. And my father was admitted to the hospital. And my family was like, we think you need to come home. Went home, uh, my mother's completely blind now. And I was there taking care of my mom. And one of my nephews, who is 20 or 21, He's my sister's, my younger sister's son. My younger sister, she is schizophrenia, bipolar, and manic depressive. Her son has not been diagnosed, but he clearly has mental issues. However, there there aren't any programs to diagnose him in our community. When I went home, it was the very, very first time, Kevin, the very first time that I ever called the police. I called the police because he had a mental episode and he was threatening me. Now, I could easily just put him down, right? But I thought to myself, this is a kid with mental issues. I'm on the front line fighting for his life. So what I, what I look like beating him down, what I look like calling the police on him. There was no de-escalating him because he was gone. He was gone, I'm gonna kill you. So I called the police, when I called the police, Kevin, I said, look, there's a situation here where I need help. Please do not bring any guns. It's not life-threatening, although he's threatening my life. Right. You know, he's barking, 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 but I know he's not gonna touch me. And I don't feel empowered to touch him and, and feel like I'll be protected, like as far as, because I felt like if I put hands on him, then I would go to jail because I experienced that with his mother when I was 15 years old. She did the same thing and we got into a fight with him and his mother and she called the cops and I went to jail at 15. So I didn't want that cycle to repeat. So I wanted to jump ahead of the narrative, call the police, control the narrative and what you know they came out and they talked to him they talked to me and they talked to my mom my mom was like you know he just needs help he needs help and and they said well is he on meds and she was like no he needs he needs to get help though they said well we can't do anything i mean we can do a baker's 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 right or something like you know and but we can't do we can't do anything if there was no, no violence. You know, we can only make an arrest. <laughs> and I told the cop, I said, that's why we are looking to defund you because you don't do anything except arrest. That is not helping anyone. It's only arresting and putting people back into the system, which is modern day slave, slavery because it's just free labor, just putting people in the system, following And they literally did nothing, I mean, you know, they just told him to, I was leaving that day anyway. They just told him, hey, you know, don't go back to the house until he leaves, you know. But it, it, it did nothing. And, you know, I mean, um, um, like the police is only just to arrest, not to protect and serve. So there needs to be 
a reallocation and a, as well as a, a reframing of what law enforcement looks like. ACAP has been a pretty popular slogan. Uh, you see it on all the signs, people are screaming it. So what does it mean to you? Are I all, have no idea. Are all cops bad? No, no, I don't think, I don't think all cops are bad at all. It is the system. It's like, a, a, I mean, in any system you have that, because we all know what the system was, how the system was like, when it began, it began, oh, okay, I'm gonna catch that slave, kill that slave, or take it back to its owner. You know, like, I, cause, because it's, I gotta protect the property. So it's there to protect white man's property, right? Because black people were considered property, they weren't considered people, right? right. So with that knowledge and, and information, if that's the system that it was founded to protect the white man's property. It's still doing, it, you know, it, it's doing that in a different way, just a modernized way of like, well, we got to still keep that, that labor. We got to still keep free labor in America. You know, that's why the prison systems are, you know, privatized and, and, and it makes a lot of money because it's, it's, it's that free labor that, that the tax dollars, you know, you want to talk about a system that the ta our taxes pay for funneling right so it's just a cycle and so you know with a cap or whatever which i'm not really familiar with i don't you know i don't believe that cops or people are bad but they're in a system that is outdated okay and they and they're in a system that needs transformation mind body and spirit they need it needs transformation transformation uh psychological it needs transformation on you know like like physically on 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 how they can enforce the law and it also needs transformation spiritually on on what they believe you know what what, what do they stand for right cuz i mean if you're standing you know for to put a knee in someone's neck and to kill them and then be okay if you're okay with that which is like that you know did you know that today they were or, 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 for, um, uh, or even for Ahmaud Aubrey, you know, to like kill someone, you know, because it's in the name of protecting the neighborhood, right? And shoot them. You know, they were, today they, they were denied bond. I mean, I was asking, how could you even consider bond when you can see a video of some people murdering them in cold blood? But the bond is even, you know, like I have a nephew. I have a nephew who is 22. He is doing life in prison for allegedly cold-blooded killing a man, you know, and he's doing life. He never, there was never a bond. There was never a, a question of bond. In, he's in Florida. He was facing life or death. It wasn't even, you know, it wasn't like year. It was life or death. <laughs> but when it comes to like cops or or even white people with, you know, committing, it's just not, it's not treated the same. But that's also, I believe, because the system is set up that way. And so, you know, to answer your question uh, even further, a lot of why I, I march is, Kevin, because I'm really interconnected. Like I'm not, I'm very, I'm very close to what the system is. Like, you know, four of my brothers, you know, between them, they've spent over 30 years in prison. Right, uh, you know, four of my brothers have done crack. 
You know, that's why I've gone to the extreme to do fitness and nutrition where I've never had a drink in my life or smoke. Cause I'm like, mm, I, right. I've been around it. Right. <laughs> you know, I've been arrested over 10 times, you know, wrongfully, but you know, it's, 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 I'm very, I'm very close to it and, and I can feel it. So a lot of people in the streets are much, much younger than me, which I love, which I'm trying like, okay, you guys go. But they do ask me a lot to, to lead the, um, the protests. Um, one, I'm a, I'm a performer. I'm a, I'm a performer at heart. And so when I lead the protest, it's not about performance at all. It's about connecting with the ancestors and really chanting out so that the heavens reign and change comes to earth. And, you know, there's a way to do that instead of just generic, generically sort of kind of chanting or generically kind of just marching. No, there's a way to do that to activate everyone that is in the crowd. Everyone needs to be activated to like, okay, let's make change. Let's make change. You know, not just, oh, I'm out here. You understand? Right. Great stuff so far, Roger. Thank you very much for taking the time. Um, I just have one last question, and that's related to something we spoke about briefly. Occupy, have you been down there? Have you been involved with it at all? And furthermore, you talked about leadership. The rise and fall of Occupy had a lot to do with a lack of leadership or struggles for leadership, and I'd just like your comment on it. Yes. I mean, for me, with, you know, in my experience with the particularly the leadership of Occupy, I'll just say this, when you are leading any protest, for me, the energy, for me, it can be angry or whatever, but for me, it needs to still be rooted in love. So the energy of Occupy, the energy of some protests is more rooted in anger and retaliation as opposed to, for me, radical love. Um, I, I don't believe that you could stamp out hate with, with hate. I just don't, I just, I, I don't believe it. I haven't seen it done. But I do believe that there is a radical love that can overcome hate. You know, it, it can still look angry, but if it's rooted in radical love, right. it's gonna overcome it. But if, but, but if, it, if it's rooted in anger and re- retaliation, then I feel like that's when you're gonna have the discourse and that's when you're gonna have, you know, the, the chaos. Uh, I mean, in any protest that I've been uh, fortunate to lead, although police were there, there, you know, there hasn't been the type of fight because we're not fighting them. We're fighting a system. It's about a system. Honestly, the police, they don't mean anything. They don't mean anything. They're doing what they're told. They're the pawns. We want the system to come down. Roderick, thank you so much for your time. Have a great day. Please stay safe out there. Thank you. You too. Take care. Thanks to Roger Covington for taking the time to discuss these important issues affecting people of color in this country. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope you're enjoying the podcast as we continue to bring you varied perspectives on the Black Lives Matter movement in America. We want to remind the audience that protest coverage is a large team working cohesively to bring you the most impactful images and accurate information. We will continue to introduce more team members as we go along. Thanks again for listening, and please give us a five-star review if you enjoyed the episode. I'm Jay, for Kevin Xavier and the rest of the team. If we don't see you in the streets, we'll see you right here next week on the Protest Coverage Podcast.